Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the only podcast that focuses on mental health while mixing in movies, music, books, sports, and pop culture. Here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Hey, good morning, and welcome to Voices for Change 2.0. Yeah, thanks for joining us today on this uh, wonderful August Saturday in the middle of August. Wow, I really just crashed and burned with that, didn't I? <laughs> well, Yikes. it's just hard to believe it's the 17th. It's yeah. September is right around the corner. Right around the corner, and with that comes all the the Halloween stuff. Yeah, which is already out. Um, I've been to our local Kroger and uh, the last couple of weeks already they've had like ceramic jack-o'-lanterns and stuff out in the front and I'm I'm getting excited for it for uh, a lot of different reasons um, it's my favorite season first and foremost uh, you know I'm, I'm one of those yahoos that likes all the pumpkin spice flavored stuff and, yeah not me yeah not you not and uh, you know just there's it's going to be a little bit cooler in the air which i like and uh, i don't like it blistering hot and um you know th- this year with us having our great niece around we're excited to see her through her first halloween um she just started crawling this week so that's exciting and uh, <laughs> exciting and terrifying, terrifying. yeah <laughs> yeah you know that happened and we're like okay we got to start baby Proofing the house yeah. now. Yeah, so eight months now. So uh, eight and a half months. Eight and a half. Yeah. Almost. She actually. She's going to be nine nine months. Not next week, but the following week. Yeah, and so we're kind of excited because we've got. In the years past, uh, we've spent all the holidays together. You know, just by ourselves, which I'm not complaining about. It was, mm-hmm. you know. Very stress-free and, you very know. Very relaxing. Yeah, relaxed. We had Thanksgiving in our pajamas. Yep. But um, this go, year we... Go Boston Market. <laughs> this year we've got uh, uh, somebody else to, a uh, couple of people to, to consider. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're, we're excited for, for Christmas. So she'll be a year at Christmas. So that's... Yep. That's the big it's thing gonna, that's going on with us. Yeah, that's a you know we're we're starting to geared up, get geared up now, and now we finally understand all the early prep. You know, before yeah. before Luna came along, you know it was ah oh, it's you know end of July. Why are they starting with the Halloween stuff already? Yeah. And you know now you know and also the back to school stuff. And now we kind of we get it a little bit more. You know, you have to have all this prep time for these holidays that are coming up, you know, when you've, when you've got kids around, you know, partly to get them pumped up for it and partly to get yourself pumped up for it too, I think. I still maintain that kids go back to school too early. Now, I remember when we would go back after Labor Day. Yeah. And kids are going back. They were going back this week, some yeah, of them. Yeah, I know. And um, I would be so mad that... <laughs> You know, August is still summertime to me, and it's like June, July, August. You have those three off for summer, regardless. And I'm just glad that that you know. <laughs> glad that we we got, don't have to deal with. We don't have to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, we we will once Loom is in school, but that's a few yeah, years well, down the road. Yeah, we've so. got a while for that yet. So yeah. But uh, so let's talk a little bit about our guest for today. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been rambling a little bit here. So Krista is someone uh, that's very, very important to the mental health community, um, you know, especially on Twitter. <clears throat> Excuse me, pardon me. Uh, she is a driving force for change and for uh, equality within um, those those that are are dealing with mental health issues. Um, last year, she also won a uh, a WeGo Health Award, which we'll ask her a little bit more about that. So she's a winner, and uh, she is starting this new um, 
I don't want to give too much away before she comes on, but uh, it's a new project, and uh, we're excited to talk with her about it because it sounds like it's really going to be a huge benefit to the mental health community. So please welcome to our show today, Krissa Hickey. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, thanks for having me on. Unlike unlike you, Joe. Sorry, I uh, you know, up here in Northeast Wisconsin, I like it to be as warm as possible for as long as possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I that that I, I understand. You know, you guys get a little bit colder, a little bit sooner. Um, you know, we're we're just outside Detroit, so for us, yeah, we get the cold, but we seem to avoid some of the stuff that our friends west of us encounter. Well, I got to tell you, we watch mm-hmm. football games and uh we watch the the Packers play. Packers, woo! It's it looks like it's just absolutely freezing. And it you know, it it might <laughs> it might just be because we've got a a stadium. Yeah. So it doesn't look as bad dome. for us. You have a dome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We do. Yeah, yeah no, we uh, went to a, yeah, the last Packer game I went to was a last Packer game I went to was December twenty third and it was negative twenty three with the wind chill. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> God. Yeah, no thank you. That's <laughs> I don't even know how to I, prepare for that. I like cold weather, but that's a bit much. You know. Welcome to the frozen tundra. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean it's funny whenever you watch a thing on on football and they're talking about the Packers, they they always bring up the frozen tundra, <laughs> and it really is, yeah. you know. It really and, is. And uh, I I don't know how you guys handle it. I really don't. You know, I you know my we, my we day job. I'm I'm yeah. <laughs> I would imagine so. You know my my day job. Yeah. I'm I'm outside most of the time, so I couldn't imagine doing this job. In, in weather that cold. I've done it in weather that cold. Yeah. We, I mean, we've gotten those temperatures around here. Yeah, really. you've had it. But, yeah, um, it's just getting it as consistently as you guys do, it's just woof, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we get All right, so <laughs> if you don't have any questions for us, we're just going to jump right in here. And let's get it. Okay. All awesome. right. Yay. So the the first question that we ask um, probably 95% of our guests. It's probably 100% now for yeah. as long as we've been doing this. We ask this of everybody. Yes. Uh, where does your mental health journey begin? Hmm. Well, my journey really began um, when uh, my son, Timothy, uh, was about four years old. Um Tim is, uh, my husband and I have three children. Um, our oldest uh, son is 29. He's our biological child. Uh, we have two other children we adopted from the foster care system. Tim, actually, we adopted knowing, we, we brought him in as a foster child knowing we would adopt him. So we got him when he was a day old. Um, and oh, wow. um, by the time he was about, yeah, by the time he was about four years old, we knew something wasn't quite right. Um, we'd been to see doctors, pediatricians, he didn't talk very much. Our pediatrician said, well, his older brother's very verbal. That's not unusual. Um, he seemed to get very agitated very easily. Um, by the time he was four years old, we asked his pre-K teacher to tell us if she thought something was up, and she told us on the second day of school she thought something was up. Um, and we took him to a, to a neurologist, and they said, well, you know, we might say with the language issues and everything else, maybe it's an autism spectrum disorder, but he has excellent eye contact and a pretty decent sense of humor, and we're not exactly sure what it is. So by the time he was five years old, he was saddled with this EDNOS diagnosis, which is an emotional disorder not otherwise specified, hmm. So, which is pretty common for kids to get this NOS diagnosis, not otherwise specified, which is, in my, my parlance, that's basically doctor speak for we have no idea what's going on. So Yeah. Between the yeah, between the ages of five and eleven, he went through the emotional disorder NOS to bipolar disorder NOS to bipolar disorder one to bipolar disorder with psychotic features um, until um, he was about eleven and a half and he attempted suicide. 
Um, oh my, wow. we had been in the care of a therapist for some time. Um, and the therapist had told us our son was going to need to be hospitalized, but she wouldn't really put a label on why he needed to be hospitalized. Um, and when mm. he tried to kill himself to stop, to stop the voices in his head, the doctor said after his first inpatient stay, well, your, your child has childhood onset schizophrenia. <laughs> um, wow. so that was really the beginning because the first thing I did was say, get out of town. Kids don't get schizophrenia. It's an adult mm-hmm. disease. Um, and went on the internet and tried to do some research from husband and I to figure out anything we could about childhood onset and found nothing. So, yeah. um, we really, we really didn't know what to do. So, um, we had everything from doctors, I mean, longstanding, well-known, older psychiatrists telling us we had to relinquish him to the state in order to get him the right treatment. Um, we had others telling us he needed to be institutionalized. We would never be able to have a normal home. Um, and eventually one day, um, my own, I started seeing a therapist for the, for the stress of dealing with it all when he was about 12 mm-hmm. years old or 13 years old. And, um, my therapist said, maybe you should start journaling this because this is something, if you get it down on paper, maybe it will help you. Well, I spent all my time on the internet. I do digital marketing for a living. So I started a blog instead. And, um, I thought I was just airing out my own feelings and what, what we were going through till someday, one day somebody commented back and said, me too. And that's when I realized that we weren't alone. There really are other parents out there with kids who have serious mental illness who didn't have anywhere else to turn. And that's when I really started to collaborate with these these moms. And one of the moms, um, a couple years into this, said, we're kind of like this weird club. These other parents like us, we're kind of this weird club. And um, we started um, taking in stories of other parents at that point. We called it Parents Like Us Club. Um, and then one of the reasons I want to talk to you today is in the beginning this year, I founded a 501c3 nonprofit called the Parents Like Us Club um, to help other families like ours trying to raise a child with a serious mental illness and, and doesn't know where else to turn to the resources to go to for support and help. That's, yeah. that's awesome that you started that and, yeah, and terrifying that, that you had doctors telling you that you had to relinquish your child to the state. That's I, I don't incredibly common, incredibly common. Oh my gosh, you know that's terrible. Yeah. You know. Well, in most and, states, I mean, how, I mean, the cost. It's the cost, right, of caring for a child like this. I mean, Timothy had to, mm-hmm. you know, his. You take a child at eleven. Okay, he has a serious mental illness. He's just about on the, you know, on the threshold of puberty. It, yeah. It's almost impossible to get a child going through puberty stable, mostly because the minute you get their meds adjusted right, they grow and everything goes to hell. Mm-hmm. So um, Timothy ended up in residential treatment, and the only reason we could afford it is we lived in Illinois at the time, and the state of Illinois actually has a program for parents who have children with a psychosis, a psychotic disorder, to help them pay for residential treatment regardless of the parent's income. Which is great because, and this is the reason a lot of parents are told to relinquish their rights to the state. The state doesn't have to help you with, the, you know, the $150,000 a year it takes to put a kid into residential treatment. Your insurance company yeah. often, even though there's parity, won't cover it. So yeah. the school districts, even though they're, they're supposed to educate these children and can't unless they're in a very controlled environment, will oftentimes find a way to get out of having to help parents get a kid into a residential school. So relinquishing your kid to the state as a foster child from a lot of parents is the only way they can get treatment for their children. Uh, I'll tell you that, that I can, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry about that. I can um, relate to you in a, in a very small way. I'll just tell you really quickly about my experience with that. Um, my, I had an older brother who uh, eventually started to hear voices and, uh, you know, was, was struggling with a lot of, a lot of different, uh, kind of scary, scary things, you know, really bad raging temper and things like that. And one night he tried to kill himself as well. And when they put him in, this was, I was in fifth grade at the time. So mm-hmm. there was no interne- internet, no real yeah. way to research. And they took him away, and uh, eventually they tried to tell us that he was schizophrenic. So there's my mom trying to find anything and everything she can to f- 
find out what the heck happened to him. And we're having a really hard time, you know, struggling, trying to find, you know, some type of camaraderie and and some way of, of, you know, researching what she was learning. Eventually, they started saying that it was more of a closed head injury than schizophrenia. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that there was ever an actual diagnosis that was correct for him. I think he was always misdiagnosed and I say was now because he passed away a couple of years ago um he stopped taking care of himself stopped taking his meds and essentially he passed away from from drug and alcohol abuse yeah so um yeah thank you so to to a degree I can understand I was a kid when it when it happened but I remember it very well well, the sibling component is a huge component, too, in these families. I mean, especially, you know, we all talk about, you know, mental illness really is a family disease. It affects everyone in the family. It's even more so mm-hmm. when it's a child um, because you've got siblings. You know, my Timothy's in my middle of three children. Um, and when he was in really, really unstable in his teenage years, um, our oldest, who's three and a half years older than Tim, was in high school. Um, you know, he was... 12, 13, you know, Tim was 11, 12, 13, he was really unstable, and, Al, you know, our oldest, Alex, was in high school. I never got to see him in the marching band. I never got to see him run track. I never made it to a parent-teacher conference. We couldn't leave Tim alone for one second. My husband and I literally spent every waking minute with Tim, one, of, one or both of us, for four years mm. because we just, you couldn't, you could never leave him alone even for a second. We didn't know whether he would hurt himself or somebody else. And when he finally did go into residential treatment, our daughter collapsed. I mean, she's a year younger than Tim. She was diagnosed with PCSD um, just from the stress of having to live with a sibling like Tim. So, you know, with when we talk about uh, it being a family disease, it's just it's so hard on everyone in the family. And it took a lot for us after Tim finally got stable. By you know, by the time he was about 19 and a half, he came out of residential treatment. He was very stable, but it took you know, good portion of into his early twenties before his siblings actually could be around him and not, and not flinch. Yeah, yeah. I understand that a hundred percent. Yeah, Tim's doing okay now. He's doing great. Uh, he just turned twenty-five a couple weeks ago, and he is uh, living in his own apartment right now, about a mile away from us. Um, he holds down oh. a small part-time job in a, a sheltered work program, kind of through a family friend, and. He's pretty happy. He's doing really well. He's been very stable. He's been, he likes to tell me every March, March is kind of his anniversary of his, his first worst hospitalization. So every March he'll say to me, it's been X number of years. And, and this coming up this, this past March was four years since he's been in the hospital. So he's pretty proud of that. That's wonderful. That's great. You know, we're, we're real happy to hear that. He's, yeah, he's definitely. Thriving yeah. like that. So, yay. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So let's, um, let's move on to the to the next question we've got for you. It's a it's a little bit dated because it it took place last year, but you did win a uh, WeGo Health Award last year, and I think you might be up for another one this year, aren't you? I um, I don't know. Well, the finalists are going to be coming out soon, so we'll see. But um, I typically am, and I think again this year I was I won the award last year for advocating for another. Um, yeah, that because was, my advocacy work is, yeah, so my award was for advocating for another, which is a great category because a lot of us do advocate for a loved one or a friend or a relative. And, and it's, you know, in my case, Tim didn't have the wherewithal to advocate for himself. You know, he was a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, I needed to advocate for him and for our family, what was best for all of us. Um, and so and I continued that work as my advocacy changed from sharing our story to helping others through their story. And now with the nonprofit, hoping to help even more families through, through their journey, through mental illness with a child. Um, I'm not the one who, you know, although I am, by the way, I am diagnosed with uh, major depression and, and generalized anxiety disorder, but even though I'm not advocating for myself, particularly for mental illness, I'm advocating for families. Um, that's what the award was for, and I believe I was nominated for the same one this year, but we'll see. 
they're coming up. Like I said, the uh, the finalists should be coming out in a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I I am up for a couple myself this year, so I, I am. Uh, it's great. Very mm-hmm. excited. Thank you. So um, we'll see what happens. But so since then you've been really busy. Um, give us a, a little more information about uh, parents like us club. Uh, what are your goals and what what kind of message do you hope to spread? Sure. So we we really are in the infancy this year. Um, of getting the website up and going, getting the board put together, and really getting going. But um, we've set up the the Parents Like Us Club to have three main goals for the community of families raising children with, with serious mental illness. So the first thing we want to do is give a voice to families raising these children. Um, there's not enough stories out there about these families and what they go through every single day. And we want to be able to give a platform for parents to be able to tell their story however they want to, if they want to do it visually through video or photo, if they want to do a blog post, if they want to do an audio recording, if they want to be anonymous or they want to share who they are, we want to be able to give them that voice to share their story because we know that the more we share our story, first, other parents don't feel alone, other families don't feel alone. The public starts to hear more and more about these kids and the fact that, you know, right now, especially with everything that's happened with the recent, you know, mass shootings, we want people to hear stories about real people with real mental illness, not what some politician says is mental illness. And we really want the medical community to be able to hear from these families because a big issue with families raising kids with serious mental illness is, believe it or not, the medical community and doctors and clinicians who don't want to, quote, unquote, label these children for life, when really what we need to do is not worry about the label but worry about how we're treating these kids and what these kids and their families are going through. So that's the first thing. The second is we want to be able to provide resources and information for parents so no one has to try and figure out what we had to figure out all on our own. So there's a huge maze of dealing with the school system, dealing with the medical community, dealing with the the juvenile justice system, dealing with social services. I can't tell you, I don't know a single parent who has a child with a serious mental illness who has not been reported to to Child Protective Services for one reason or another. So how do they Mm -hmm. go about navigating those systems? Where can they get information about how to deal with what happens when your kid's hospitalized or what to do when Child Protective Services calls. We want to give them that education so they have somewhere to go and find it. And then the third thing is we want to provide microloans, and this is an inevitable. We're probably not going to be doing it in 2019, but we want to start next year in 2020, give microloans to parents so they can have an in-person advocate with them to attend a school meeting with special education or attend a doctor's appointment or attend a meeting with social services or the juvenile justice system, because a lot of times it helps to have that professional advocate who is a neutral third party be there to help them navigate through those systems. I used to do this in our own school district when my kids were um, still in school. Um, I, um, to the point where <laughs> the special education director really, when she saw me coming, she's like, well, somebody who knows all the rules is here. I mean, <laughs> you would literally go and sit down with parents because it's very emotional when you go and sit and try and advocate for your own child. And, and no one, you know, you have to be an expert in, I mean, think about these parents. We have to be experts in education, experts in medicine, experts in legal, experts in, you know, governmental policy. It's, it's impossible to be an expert in everything. So if we can give yeah. you a small loan of couple, 250 or $500 to pay for an advocate to go to that meeting with you, it can make all the difference in that family's lives. Wow, uh, definitely. That's, That's amazing. It's awesome. Uh, you know, you you don't hear about like what you went through with Tim. Uh, you you don't hear this this side of it. You know, a lot of a lot of the uh, people that we talk to on this show, a lot of the advocates, you know, they'll acknowledge that they might have felt whatever symptoms for whatever they're dealing with, you know, in their teens or what have you. But to have right. You know, child. You know, childhood onset schizophrenia, for example, or any other thing that's that's hitting these kids and and yeah, I mean, subsequently childhood onset bipolar families. And, yes, even severe depression. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that they're you know even with us in the in the mental health community you don't hear as much about and the fact that you guys are are number one drawing attention to it and number two being a resource. Um, you're absolutely filling this this niche that needs to be filled. Um, I nothing but total respect for for what you're doing out there. Um, it, it's it's so necessary. 
Thanks. It it really is, and like yeah. you said, if I think. You know, a lot of people, like you said, who are diagnosed when they go, when they look back, they can see that their symptoms started well before they were an adult. And um, right. I, I think for a lot of people, you know, we always, especially people with schizophrenia, um, you know, I've got adult friends who were diagnosed as adults, but really have told me, yeah, my symptoms started. I, I know I could, I could look back and see the symptoms started when I was 12 or 13. Um, mm-hmm. If we can bring awareness to this, and, and again, it's kind of that showing these real people who have real, these are real kids who have real stories. I mean, I can't tell you how often Tim and I go to an event and people can't believe Tim has schizophrenia because what you end up thinking about is what was the last mass shooting? What was the last horror story or horror movie you saw? You know, what was the last, Mm. you know, someone with a straight jacket and the wild hair? That's the image people have in the public about schizophrenia. So when you say there's a kid with it, you end up having, you know, we joke a lot that um, the family, the families with these kids is that we say this is the no casserole disease, right? So if your kid has cancer or your kid has, uh, breaks, a, breaks a leg, you know, everyone comes over and they bring you dinner and they take your other kids to soccer practice. You know, when Tim was diagnosed with schizophrenia, people evaporated. And it's, yeah. it's not because they're afraid. Part of, it, part of it's fear, a little bit of it, but part of it is they just don't know what to do because they don't understand it. Yeah. So if we yeah, can people, find a way to help them understand it better, that can only help society as a whole, I would think. Yeah, you know, people tend to fear what they don't understand. And, right. you know, that's been part of our focus with this show is to, to bring some understanding to things. And I, I think that's so important that we have you on the show uh, just to bring a focus to something up to this point that hasn't had focus. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not even really, I, I appreciate it very much. Cause you know, as you can help, tell for me, you know, Tim's an adult now, but it doesn't stop. I mean, I, just mm-hmm. because we were successful and Tim has managed to grow up, you know, it's still every day. It's, it is schizophrenia, right? Every day for us is still, um, you know, we get through every day, day to day. And um, just because he is technically an adult, you know, one of the things that often comes, not always, but often comes with childhood onset, early onset schizophrenia is um, um, diminished mental capacity. Um, so Tim lost a lot of his executive functioning skills and um, almost 40 IQ points from the time he was a child um, wow. as from having schizophrenia for so long that was so unstable. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, I have this, you know, six foot one inch, 185 pound 12 year old, you know, for the rest of my life. But um, if we can get these kids diagnosed earlier, we can get them into treatment earlier. Parents aren't afraid of what it means if their child has a mental illness. We don't have to, you know, these kids can't succeed and become really productive members and happy members of society. Yeah. Well, that, and, you know, number two, and this is true with, with any mom, but, um, you know, your, your child might be an adult now, but you're still a mom the rest of your life. So yep, you know, you're going to be there for your, ba- you're going to be there for your baby no matter what, you know, and, and that's, I sure am. you know, so that's a, that's a, that's something that's kind of hitting home for, for Beck and I now with having Luna in the house, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's an adjustment for sure. <laughs> I'm sure well, we've got this. We've got to take our uh, first break here, so uh, we'll have you hang on a minute, and we'll see you on the other side of Blake MacGyver, It Gets Better.
Welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. I'm Joe. She's Rebecca. Hello. Isn't she cute, guys? She's just adorable. Um, and we have we have on the line the uh, wonderful, lovely, and talented Miss Chrissa Hickey. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so I'm happy to start writing all my PR. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm cheap. So, yeah, we've been having some good conversations about a lot of important stuff, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to keep doing that because it's, it's working so far. So <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. Seems so, to be. Yeah. Okay. So, Krista, yeah. next question. Do, do you think it's important to start giving mental health sensitivity courses in schools? Hmm. Um, I think it's important for kids to have sensitivity to all kinds of other kids that are different. I don't think, I, this may be a, a weird one, but I think kids should be not, seg- they, I don't think we should segregate mental illness from other kinds of different needs that other kids have. Meaning, what I, I we know that kids should be sensitive to kids that are have mobility issues and kids that have hearing or sight vis- issues or learning disabilities. I'm I'm kind of an advocate to say why do we segregate mental illness from those kinds of things? Shouldn't we say kids who have you know anxiety issues or kids that have um, you know issues with you know they, a lot of times in school it looks like temper issues right or, or ability to concentrate issues you know if they're bipolar or something or someone like Tim who you know, Tim was like the king of leaving school grounds and kind of wandering around the neighborhood, which is not a good one because that's how he dealt with the anxiety of trying to deal with school and the rigors of school and the voices in his head and everything else. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I kind of think that when we teach kids to be tolerant of others' differences, I would like to see mental illness lumped in there with all the others because I think the disservice we do to people with mental illness is we separate it from illness. And yeah. You know, there's a big push right now to take um, illnesses like schizophrenia in particular and also bipolar disorder and reclassify them as neurobiological disorders because, you know, a big reason for that is because these are not, you know, we're always told, you know, this is just a, it's a mood disorder. I really hate the behavioral health phrase 
you know, this isn't a behavioral issue. This is something, this is something wrong biologically um, with the brain right. and the way it transmits information to the body. So I would rather us teach kids to be tolerant of anyone who's different, no matter what their diagnosis is. I like that answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good answer. And, you know, it's, you, you make a valid point with the, the segregation thing, you know, especially with the, the talking in the news lately, you know, with the shootings and, you know, it being blamed on mental illness and, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I'm so sick and tired of seeing that being scapegoated, you know, for, for this yeah, hate, as opposed to. not a to, mental illness. Yeah. No, no, hate's taught, you know, it's absolutely taught, you know. Um, so, yeah, the fact that, you know, it, an awareness should be brought on, you know, mental health and, and different mental illnesses, you know, for, for children. But, you know, I, I agree we shouldn't segregate it. You know, there should be the same type of sensitivity that you would have for, you know, a child that's in a wheelchair or a child that's deaf or a child that's blind or, you know, and I I think maybe part of the reason it does get segregated is because it's not something that you can readily see necessarily, you know, until you see how the, how the child is behaving. Plus it's such a large category too. It it Mm -hmm. covers so much. There's there's just so much out there that falls into that realm. Uh, I think that maybe people take it aside from others because it's just so big, and it's it would be, at least in my opinion, it would be hard to teach it um, if it was even bigger than it is now. Mm-hmm. But that's just kind of yeah. my perspective so on got- it. Yeah, I mean, but we've got autism. You know, one of the things that we look at, you know, when your parents trying to get more exposure to talk about kids with mental illness is the autism community. Because they've done a really great job over the past 35, 40 years or so, really getting awareness of autism and changing the the dialogue around it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Autism Speaks was big, you know, was big to do that. Um, They're mostly a research body right now these days, but um, they did a really good job of kids thinking, you know, kids with autism now are thought of as, oh, this kid has autism. It's kind of like a, you know, it's not really a learning disability, but, it, you know, it's a different way this kid processes the world. And when you deal with mm. mental illness, it's how can, we, how can we shape the conversation so you see it the same way? Because autism is a pretty broad spectrum disorder as well. Um, right. And how can we shape the conversation so that um, we can get that kind of understanding from the public and from educators and school administrators um, and the law enforcement, frankly. I mean, you see a lot of kids right now, you have a meltdown in school and, you know, kids with uh, mental disorders in elementary school are getting arrested. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thank God they weren't doing that in the old days. I mean, Timothy at one point was so frustrated in a special education class with the teacher, he picked up a desk over his head and would throw it at the teacher. I mean, if Tim, wow. Tim could have easily been arrested in the second or the third grade. I mean, and it's not, we keep focusing on, and I think that's a, you know, it's a larger societal problem. We could go into that forever, but instead of focusing mm-hmm. on the problem, like the behavior, how can we focus on the, what's manifesting the behavior? And I think that's what the autism community has done a good job of showing. And we need to figure mm-hmm. out how to do that as well when we advocate for our kids with mental illness. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. What strides do you think we've taken towards uh, battling stigma, if any? Well, I'm a firm believer that sunlight sanitizes. So um, I, I think that, you know, one of the things, and I took a lot of heat for this originally. Um, I didn't start my blog until Tim was um, about 15 years old. Um, okay. And when I started it, um, he was a part of it. Um, and we had a conversation about whether or not we wanted to use our real name because, you know, again, you worry about the stigma or labeling a child for life like a lot of, you know, doctors don't want to do. Um, And we decided as a family, all of us, that um, we wanted our names to be out there because I think when you can put an actual name and a face with something, you take away the monster, you know, that you think it is in your head. Um, So Tim's always been very open and very happy to talk to 
you know, to be interviewed on the blog or do a video for the blog or talk in front of a group of, you know, a NAMI group, which he's done, or we've talked, uh, trained um, social workers on how to recognize the signs of mental illness in kids in foster care. And he's been very open at wanting to do that and very, and very fine with me using his name and my real name and my husband Tom's real name on the blog. Um, our other two kids, not so much. They would prefer we didn't always use their name. Um, my daughter, we call her the girl. If you read my blog, it says the girl. Um, but she's fine with her picture up there, believe it or not. So she, there's a couple of pictures of her there. And our oldest, um, Alex, who's an adult now, he's totally fine with it. Um, but when he was a teenager, he was a little sensitive, as you can imagine. So yeah. um, I really think that what we really need to do is get more people willing to say, this is me and this is my story and this is my family and this is our story. Um, because the more we expose people to real people, I think the more we remove the fear that the ignorance causes. Yeah, the the fear of the quote unquote other. Yeah, you know, or the unknown, right? And that's a yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that's a that's a symptom that we really do deal with these days. You know, is I'll you know I, I tend to get fairly political about things outside of the show. Uh, much to my wife's chagrin, and um, <laughs> one, you know, one of the things I'll always get up in arms about is when they start talking about cutting Social Security or cutting Medicare or you know different social programs. Um, and I and I'll do the one thing that my friends that are supporters of the group that wants to do that. Um, I'll always throw it into their, I don't want to say throw it into their face, but I'll be like, all right, well, here's the thing is if social security gets cut, that affects my mother, that affects my wife. If Medicare gets cut, that affects my mother. You know, I always put a face on it to say, okay, when you're affecting this program or, or this certain situation, you know, put a real life face to it. And how does it impact this person? Because it's easy enough to point a finger at a group of people and say, well, they did this or they don't do that. But when you've actually got personal experience in it, then, you know, it's a lot harder to to point that finger. Yeah. Here's, here's a good response for your friends. And this is what I tell mine that are, you know, slightly more conservative than I am. I'm a little, my husband says I'm a little left of, you know, Che Guevara. So I'm a, I'm a little leftist, but, um, you know, everybody gets upset about the homeless, you know, the homeless situation in the city. So take a city like Chicago, which is probably the biggest city, you know, close to us, right? More Mm -hmm. than 60% of the homeless people on the streets have a serious mental illness. More than 75% of people with adults with serious mental illness get their health care through Medicaid. So you do the math. I mean, you can't cut one and expect the other one to clear up. If you, right. if you take away, you know, more than 75%, it's the, depending on where you're getting your numbers from, it's 76%, it's 79%, whatever, that of, of adults with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder rely on Medicaid for their health insurance. If they don't have it, there will be more people, homeless people on the street standing on the street corner screaming at the rain. So you can't have it both ways. You have to exactly. decide what's more important for society. Is it more important to have more people that are stable and happy and not living in the streets, or is it more important for you to save $5 a paycheck? Exactly. You know, and, and you know, the, the big conversation right now is Medicare for all. You know, that's something that a lot of the Democratic candidates are talking about. It's a talking point. And, um, you know, the the argument I, I always hear is, you know, well, you know, my taxes are going to go up. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this really quick and jump off the, the political thing because I, I know it's, <laughs> it's you know, the, the look I'm I'm getting from Beck is, is not a happy one. Um, but <laughs> if taking a little bit of extra money out of my paycheck helps to pay for your kid's surgery, I don't have a problem with that because I have a heart, <laughs> you know. I'm I'm more than happy to contribute to whatever's going to be positive for another person's outcome with their with their health, physical or mental. You know, 
Yeah, not to mention, and my, my last feeling. my last thing, and then I'll stop. My last thing, and then I'll stop. Uh, <laughs> the more you widen the, the more the, the more you widen the pool, the more you lower the risk. So actually, the cost goes down for everyone. Okay, we're off. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we're we're done, honey. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Chris, you and I can talk about this stuff later. <laughs> um, what would be the first thing that you would tell a parent with a child who is recently diagnosed? Is anybody there, uh, Carissa and or Scott? Can can either of you guys hear us? Oh, it's still connected. We still have our internet connection, so it's not that. Well, we have. Uh, it looks like we have lost our guest. Yeah, um, we we have some technical difficulties going on over here guys uh and we do apologize for that um we we don't know what happened um and it it really sucks because we were having a great conversation yeah definitely about all these things uh you know um <laughs> we're we're talking back and forth with uh our producer Scott um weird okay uh, okay, Krista, if you hear us, uh, hang up and give us a call back if you could, please. Yes. Uh, we are unable to. We are unable to hear anything from your end, so. Yeah. Uh, give us a call back if you can, please. Yes. And in the meantime, we will <coughs> ramble. <laughs> or Scott could play us a song, maybe. Uh, possibly, Scott. <laughs> Scott? <laughs> can can you can you do that? A, a song would be lovely, just to get us by. A little, little something. <laughs> oh oh, she's back she's back. Yay, Chris, are you there? And she's gone. Oh. Oh. This is uh, oh, this is the me? the. Hey, oh, all yay. right, there we go. There you are. Yeah, I, we got gotcha. you. I was talking to you, and I said I couldn't hear you, so I figured I hung up and dialed back in. Oh, thank God. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, no we, idea we what sure happened did. there. Yeah, we don't. It's technology. Absolutely. You know, this is, this is the yeah. live show. So great, people. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about that. Now you see the uh, the the downside of of doing a live TV or a live uh, of a podcast, live show, rather. Yeah. Sorry about yeah. that. I waited till I could try and hear you again, but then when I didn't, I hung up. So here I am. Oh, thank okay. you. You did the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. So. No worries. All right. So the last question, the last question that we left off on, and I don't know if anybody else heard it, but I know we didn't. Was uh, what would be the first thing you would tell a parent with a child that was recently diagnosed? Oh. Um, uh, the first thing I would tell them is it's not their fault. Um, mm. it's, it's amazing how many parents blame themselves, um, for a child having a serious mental illness. Um, you know, genetics may, may or may not be a part of it. You know, we know that, you know, traumatic issues may or may not trigger a, a mental illness in a child, but it's not, it, it's not something you can, it's not something you cause because you're a bad parent. It's, right. it's something that happened to your kid. It's a, it's a neurobiological disorder, and um, your child is going to have it whether you – I mean, look at my kid, right? I, I'm, there could be a biological connection. There could not be. Um, you know, he was – you know, he, start show, he started showing symptoms before he was in preschool. So 
you can't blame yourself for it. And for a lot of parents, first thing they do is blame themselves. And when they can't get their child stable on their own, they consider themselves a failure when their kid has to go into the hospital, um, which I totally get because the first time we put Tim in the hospital, Tom and I sat up all night talking about what incredible failures we were as parents. Um, but, you know, it's, and it's, I hate to say this because, you know, it's, it's a cliche, but it's true. It's like you would never blame yourself for a child getting cancer. You would never blame mm-hmm. yourself for your child having type 1 diabetes. Your child has a biological illness, and you are, by putting them in the hospital, you're getting the very best care they can get. You would never not want to get your kid chemo because you couldn't cure their cancer on their own. You, you are doing the very best for your child that you can. So first thing you need to do is stop blaming yourself because all it does is make you feel bad and doesn't help the situation. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's very good advice. It is. Let's see here. We're getting we're getting down to the wire, but we've got a couple more questions, and that's, you know, let's see. Sure. Well, we're going to go over our time just a tiny bit, probably about five minutes, uh, so we, so that we can get a couple more questions in. But uh, those of you that are uh, on the line waiting for uh, Astro Kiki radio replay, that will be starting five minutes late. We'll mention that again uh, once we wrap up, but uh, that will be like I said, we're going over about five minutes, so the next uh, replay will be running a little bit uh, five minutes late. A little, little delayed. Yeah. So, because we do things live. Yes. So. Okay. <laughs> so, our question for you, Krista, is what kinds of self-care do you practice so that you don't get too overwhelmed with everything you're doing? Um, well, like like most people, I'm better at it some days than others. Um I do, um, I, I try and make time for the things that make me happy. Um, I, you know, my family, we moved from the Chicago area up here to Northeast Wisconsin a couple of years ago for a couple of reasons. First, um, the small town we live in is um, where my husband grew up. So we have a lot of support here, friends and family, um, which is good. Um, it's also yeah. because it's a very small, insulated community. It's a great environment for Tim. Um, everybody knows whose kid he is, and it's very, very, very difficult for him to get in trouble no matter what he does or what happens. <laughs> so if he's having a bad day out in public, um, you know, most likely, and it has happened, you know, we had about about a year and a half ago, Tim decided that his meds were giving him heartburn and he was going to go off them. And I got three oh, phone calls in one day going, I saw Tim today and he seemed a little off. Are you, are you see all right? And, you know, I wouldn't get that in Chicago, but I get that here. Um, yeah. Which is which is great. So because we have that, I have the ability to take some time um, to not focus on him 24/7 and do some things I like. So um, I uh, have my own little office. My husband built me my own sanctuary where not only I work, but I, you know I can do some crafty stuff, which I like to do once in a while. I'll take a couple hours and lock myself up here with some great music and just create. Um, my family thinks I'm weird, but um, Tim and I raise chickens uh, together. We have 18 chickens, and um, it's fun. I think it's a it's a great pastime. It gives us somebody else gives us something to do together as a as a way to to do things together without me having to be the parent, him being the kid. We're partners in raising chickens. Um, Mm. And I do make time. Yeah, oh, lots of free. Oh God, you want free eggs? I got lots of free eggs. Um, (laughs) I, uh, you know, and I do make time to. to have some adult time with not only my husband, but with my girlfriends as well. I think it's important that we remember that even though we're parents, we're still people and um, we need to, if we can make some time um, to have adult conversations with other adults, which for me is, it's fine. I get together with my girlfriends at least once every other week, just to, to uh, make sure we all touch base. That's good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, you have to have that interaction uh, on, on some level or you, you, Tend to go a little cuckoo. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and um, it's very, so you know, it is very isolating. So it's a, it's good to make mm-hmm. time to get out and, and interact with others. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, uh, I, 
not not sure how much how familiar you are with with me and what I do, but I've I play music and I have for over mm-hmm. thirty years. And um, my last band split up back in 2011, and since then I'd been teaching. And I just got in a new band earlier this year, and I didn't realize over that time span between uh, 2011 and 2019 how much of an impact it had on me and how much I missed it. And um, it's it's good just having that camaraderie, getting together with some friends and, and playing some tunes and getting some stress out, you know. Um, yeah, I'm sure. So, so yeah, the, the having, having people in your life that you can just hang out and, you know, at times be stupid with, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that it's, it's beneficial. It, it is. really is. So, so what uh, comes next for you? What's on the agenda? Oh boy. Well, um, you know, trying to get the, um, parents like us club off the ground, really, like I said, kind of finalizing our board of directors and, um, getting our fundraising going so we can start giving, um, some micro grants out next year. Um, that's really the next thing as far as the advocacy front goes. Um, Hmm. hoping to, uh, I've done, um, a lot of work with, um, Janssen Pharmaceutical. I've done some videos with them and some education as far as um, schizophrenia and what it's like being a caregiver for schizophrenia. So I hopefully will continue doing some of that work. Um, and um, for my for my family, we are um, just kind of going with the flow. Our oldest son is uh, hopefully it sounds like he's going to be going into the academy to become a state trooper here pretty soon. So I'm a little nervous about that. So it's kind of I have to learn to come to grips with being the mother of a law enforcement officer. So, um, yeah. But <laughs> but in Wisconsin, state of Wisconsin, hopefully, you know, it's not, you know, it's a little, I wouldn't say safer because we have a lot of roadway here. But, um, you know, it's something I'm going to have to come to terms with. And then um, my husband's been, uh, was very sick over the winter. He uh, had a liver transplant, so he's been recovering well. So the next mm. thing for us is to get back on our feet and um, hopefully – um, take a trip somewhere that does not involve a hospital. So hopefully that's what's next. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So we want to do that. And like I said, I really want to get around to, um, I, I'd like to, uh, in some of my travels coming up soon, I'd like to, I've met a lot of moms and other, and dads, other parents uh, over the past decade or so um, really doing this advocacy work. And a lot of them I've met only online and I've had the fabulous opportunity to meet several of them and become good friends with them in real life. But I would like to do some traveling and meet some of the others who have been very helpful and supportive to me, but I haven't had the opportunity to actually, you know, shake their hand or give them a hug. So I'd like to do some of that. That would be nice. Yeah, that's a good goal to have. So, um, and finally, our last question, where can people find you on social media? You know, if they want to reach out, they want to connect. Yep. You know. Different things well, like if they'd that. like to come, um, and sh- especially if they'd like to come and share a story with us, um, we are just launching the website this week. Uh, it's www.parentslikeus.club. Um, that's the home for the new nonprofit. Um, I have my blog as well. My personal blog is uh, www.themindstorm.net. Um, and they can always find me on Twitter at Krista underscore Hickey uh, or on Facebook at uh, Facebook slash The Mindstorm. Great. Oh, very whip that right out. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, I've said that's that a few great. times. Yeah, that's uh, so basically yeah. if you Google the Mindstorm and and me or parents like us, you can probably find us. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, again, Krista, th- thank you for all you're doing. You know, uh, especially with parents like us, that's that's just it's such a great endeavor, and you know. I, I personally, I, I wish you guys a lot of success with it. Um, I hope it really takes off because I think it's a worthwhile uh, thing you guys are doing with it. Absolutely. Maybe maybe a year from now we can have you back on and talk a little bit more about uh, fundraising so that you can get those micro loans going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'd love to have that. you back on. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds uh, great. When, when something really big is going on with it, you know, Definitely reach out. Let us know. I we definitely like will. I appreciate the offer. <laughs> That's great. Thanks we like so much. We like having people back. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for for being on. Uh, Hang on for just a minute here. We're going to wrap up the show with uh, Carly Robin Green, What Love is All About. Have a great weekend, guys, and uh, stay tuned for Astro Kiki Radio. Mm -hmm. 